to Hodge. That's a goal, I think. It is. Hodge has done it from nowhere. I'm manufacturer Mark Akamatis. You're listening to the Fifth Quarter Podcast with Marty Davis. Let's get into it. 13! 13! <laughs> From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal! Boys kick the goal! From inside the centre... Just have a general chat. So, welcome to a special edition of the Fifth Quarter Podcast. Two episodes in one day, which is amazing. We have Cody Royal. Or Royal. How do I say it? Royal. Royal. I thought so. I typed it in and it didn't. It's like, yeah, it's Royal. But then good old uh, Microsoft Word says it's incorrect spelling. So we, he is the, he's just stepped down as the head coach of the Canada Northwind. I'm get, yep, I got that right. So can you just let me know what may, what is, what was your role and what, who are you and just what you do? <laughs> Well, before that, am I on before Brian? You're on after Brian. USA? Brian's after already been Brian. on. Damn it. I got uh, him in a nine. He says hello, uh, and he does have a question <laughs> for you later on that I've asked him. Uh, I, I wanted to beat the States. Um, yeah, so, yeah, my name's uh, Cody Royal. I, As you mentioned there, Marty, I've, I've actually just stepped down as the the head coach of our men's national team, but I'm still the director of coaching for AFL Canada. Um, so my background is I played um, TAC Cup for the Oakley Chargers uh, and then VFL for Port Melbourne. My local club was Vermont uh, back in Melbourne, one of the stronger local clubs there. Uh, and at uh, 25, I packed up two suitcases and moved to North America for a couple of years. The original intention was to go home via the 2010 South Africa World Cup, but I got over here. I live in Toronto, Ontario, and I, I fell in love with the city and fell in love with the professional sport over here. And I stayed and I have, well, not that I haven't been home. I've been home to visit, but I, I never went home. And yeah, slowly got involved in the elite levels of footy here and uh, that in Included with the the men's national team, so uh, I'm sure your listeners know if you know if you've had international guests on before. But all of our players are uh, domestic here, so there's no Aussie expats. So we're teaching footy to athletes who are elite at something else. They've usually come out of our equivalent of the NCAA, which is called U Sports. Um, so they're elite basketballers, soccer players, rugby players, hockey players, and mm. Usually they find us, there's usually one of two ways and we kind of, we joke about this a little bit, but they find footy through uh, walking past a park and seeing a couple of Aussies kicking a ball and kind of going over and saying, what, what is this? What are you doing? Why are you kicking it like that? And then uh, the other way is usually they stumble home from a bar at 3am and see it on television. See it on TV as Brian was saying that it's on so early in the morning. Um, but what made you want to pursue making sure that our great game that we we've grown up with um, was up and running in a, in North America? Yeah, there's a couple of things, you know, the, the athletes here are incredible. Like I, you know, um, the obvious one 
that uh, you know Australians would be familiar with is Mike Pike. Um, mm. You know, so to go from what he did, you know, playing in a Rugby World Cup, scoring a you know ninety metre intercept try against the All Blacks, to then convert to footy and um, uh, you know basically have a huge impact on the game, you know, that's just the and become a Premiership you know, player in twenty twelve. Exactly. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg of the athletes that we've got here. You know, you, you can look at, if, if you follow the NBA, you know, I think we had a, three years in a row, I think we, we had a top three pick um, coming out of Canada. Hmm. And so, you know, the, the AFL went through a period of looking for international athletes and, you know, they focused very much on the United States, obviously just because there's 350 million people there and, and it's an obvious one, but we have the same athletes up here in Canada and we've proven in all the major sports that our athletes can compete, you know, with the best. And I mean, even if you look at our women's presence in the VFLW right now, you know, we've mm. got Nicole Robertson, Kendra Hale and, and Val Moreau in the VFLW. So, you know, our, our men and our women stack up athletically with everyone else in the world. And so the ability for me to be able to come over here and still be involved in the sport that I grew up loving and get to work with some just incredible athletes that have, you know, played soccer or basketball, had world experience, you know, traveled, maybe played in the NCAA. They don't necessarily all come from Canada. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that really was compelling to me. So what's footy like over in Canada? Obviously, What's the differences between footy and that's in Australia compared to Canada? Obviously, their skills probably aren't as good as what an Australians are, but is there a big comparison or could they step up and play in our second-tier comps going towards an AFL spot? Yeah, so obviously the skill differences are quite vast in that there's really no other sports in the world that kick hand to foot like we do in mm. footy and so you know that's a big one but the great thing is you know the sports here there's a lot of transferable skills so you know um whether it is you know whether it's your obvious ones like tackling in rugby um you know rebounding in basketball uh you know spatial awareness like soccer even lacrosse mm. um you know the ball movement in lacrosse is very similar to Aussie rules and so the game understanding is actually quite easy for a lot of our players to pick up. And I mean, you know, hockey is a 360 degree sport and that's what everyone's obsessed with here. So yes, hockey that is. Obviously and, um, I am obsessed. I'm not wearing my Canucks hoodie or shirt at the moment because I, I was wondering if you were going to. Yeah. I love me nuts. It's my favorite. I love watching ice hockey. It's one of the most <laughs> amazing sports. It's just to see people drop the gloves, have a hit punch each other out and then they get off for five minutes over here. You're suspended for three weeks, if not more. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually one of the, the easiest parts. So, you know, in, in footy, there's, there's really two difficult, well, three difficult things. One is to, is to coach someone, uh, you know, the flow of the ball and, and where it's going to go and anticipating where it's going to go. The other is obviously the, intricate skills, kicking, handballing, um, both sides of your body. And then the other one is the, um, the, you know, what we call toughness or hardness required. So do you have the ability to win the football? And so when you look at Canadians, they have that in abundance. Um, mm. 
you know, we play a lot of, we've played a lot of, you know, traditional rugby nations. And often what they'll do is try to intimidate our players physically, you know, late tackles, high tackles, hard tackles, um, you know, and, and our guys just kind of bounce up and like, mate, we grow up playing hockey. Like we skate into each other at 35 miles an hour. <laughs> we like play a, a sport a, where we're literally going to kill each other with mm-hmm. wearing death devices on our feet. <laughs> so you come over to us and knock us down. We're going to get up. Yeah. So <laughs> teaching our, our guys to put their head over the footy is, is really easy. And so, yeah, our, you know, most of the work that I'm, I'm doing is on refining those skills, like I said, and then just the, the game awareness and the anticipation so they know where to run. Mm. So moving on, you've come from Australia, but then you've also just released a book called The Tough Stuff. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about it? What's it all about and everything in between? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so that, that's my second book. Uh, I wrote one in 2017 as well. And so I've been really lucky in my position here to be able to meet a lot of great coaches, both in North America and across Europe and you know, within the AFL landscape, within you know, our professional sports back home. And um, one of the opportunities that has been presented to me off the back of that was like, you know, I, I have my own podcast and started interviewing those coaches, other leaders, academics, you know, um, authors, business leaders, CEOs. And so the, the tough stuff was really kind of off the back of a lot of those interviews and the leadership lessons and coaching lessons that I've learned. Um, but really the focus of it is, you know, I, I wanted to talk about the human experience of being a head coach and the, the emotional side, which a lot of people don't want to talk about. But, you know, when you start to look at even the footy landscape, you know, what's happened recently, um, you know, with Reshaw, um, mm. what's happened, um, uh, you know, there, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of examples, actually, when you start to dig into it, but Tomboy, you know, those Don, sort of ones. Don Pike. Um, so people don't want to talk about the emotional side, even the response to, you know, um, David Teague bringing in John Worsfold this week as a mentor. Mm. That, that's really to help him deal with the kind of emotional weight and, and all of the other crap that goes on outside of just coaching the team. Yeah. And, and when you start to have those conversations with NBA coaches and NFL coaches and Premier League coaches and NHL coaches, and they'll say, yeah, we have all that. Like you, you know, you, you, you're an assistant coach for 10 years, 15 years, you've got all this tactical brilliance and you get promoted to be a head coach and then you don't get to do any of that. You know, mm. you, you actually don't get to spend a lot of time coaching. You kind of have to pick one thing to be good at and, and then you've, got all this other stuff you're you're lonely because you can't talk to certain to a lot of people you know you um eddie jones and arsene wenger talk about the loneliness of of their jobs and uh and so the book is really focused around those kind of emotional elements of coaching that are really the core of what you do when you're the head coach 
but we keep glossing over and it's costing us coaches because they don't want to do it. And mm. the, the, you know, the, the final kind of, you know, full stop on this is you've got Chris Scott comes out on, on national television and says, I wouldn't recommend my brother go back into coaching because it's not a particularly good job. And even he's saying to his brother, why would you want to be a coach? Right. And so we're, <laughs> we're robbing ourselves by not talking about it and not finding support infrastructure for head coaches. We're robbing ourselves of really good coaches. Brad Scott is a hell of a good football coach mm. and he should be in the AFL and he probably won't because yeah. of what we're doing to them. And so mm. this was kind of my global perspective for everyone back in the bubble in Australia. It's like, well, it's great, but this is exactly the same in the Premier League. It's exactly the same in the NHL. So we've got a big problem on our hands globally that we need to solve. Mm. So from your opinion as a head coach, what do you think does need to change to get coaches to want to get good coaches and good people to be able to coach but still enjoy doing it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, when I say support infrastructure, you can look at a, a multitude of different things. I think one is just the attitudes towards coaching. You know, a lot of coaches have great ideas and want to be innovative, but the game kind of sucks them in. And I, um, you can see me, but I'm making inverted yeah. commas in the game because right, everyone has an idea of what a training session needs to look like, for instance. So if you wanted to innovate and actually do something different, you've not only got to convince all your coaching staff or your players, but there's people that are just observing executives, fans. And so, you know, if you were to do something different, they call you stupid. Mm. Um, right. So, and here's one for you. Here's a perfect example of this. I forget the year. I think it was might've been 97. Might've been after that. Grant Thomas had St. Kilda undefeated and uh, at that time, they were doing training polls. And so the players would come in in the morning and say how tired they were. And if they hit a certain threshold, they wouldn't train. And so when they're undefeated, they decided to go to the movies instead of train. Now, this is commonplace nowadays in elite sport everywhere. Every, every player is polled on how they're feeling, how they slept, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. At that time, and this was not too long ago, they were called arrogant they, he was, he was batshit crazy for letting them have a day off to, to go to the movies instead of train. And, you know, so again, so this is a really innovative idea. This is someone who was at the cutting edge of sports science, who was called batshit crazy at the time that is now commonplace. And this yeah. happens over and over and over again. So coaches kind of get shoved into this. This is what training needs to look like. This is what your selection needs to look like. So there's just one example. Uh, another is, is obvious, is getting, um, well, mentors. Mm -hmm. So coaches need to have coaches. So there's a couple of teams that do now, obviously, but look at the response to that. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew, um, the, the response to, to David Teague is, well, we're paying him six or $700,000, so he should know how to do the job. It should, the perspective should be the other way around. How great is it 
that he has the humility to bring in someone who could potentially take his job, but is going to actually help him be a better He's coach. helping him and someone that has been with a club at the time has gone through controversy in West Coast, but also won premierships, been to grand finals, knows how to coach a good team, and then have come into, say, Essendon, where they were in dire straits when he came in. They were going through the whole drug scandal. So I actually like the idea of having mentors because if you don't we, have a mentor, who do you talk to? We we want to sit in Australia. This is one of the frustrating things is we want to sit and, and look at all the greats that are overseas. Um, you know, probably the best coach on planet Earth right now is Pep Guardiola hmm. at Man City. And he has a full-time coach whose job is to just stand next to him and help him with the emotions and the, the toll of what he does. Yeah. And it's a... It's a professional, former professional water polo player who won a gold medal in Atlanta for Spain and is just a friend and a companion for him. And then you drive down the, down the road to, uh, to London and you find Eddie Jones, who's got a coach and his name's Neil Craig, who will be familiar to people. So the best coaches in the world have coaches beside them hmm. that are helping them. Even so I, I, I really don't coach. understand the perspective. <laughs> Even Alison Clark and Chris Fagan. You can, exactly. You can keep going down the list. You can look at every major CEO in the history of the world has a coach. You can look at everyone that you've just seen won an Oscar has mm. a coach. Every musician, Adele has a coach. Like people need coaches and coaches are in that bracket too. And so, you know. Uh, it's frozen. We've just lost Cody back into it because just go back to where you were and I can just edit it all together. Technical error, yeah, no. people. But, <laughs> but yes, in summary, coaches need coaches. And that's what we need to see in modern sport. Absolutely. It can only be a good thing. Now let's move on to more AFL and AFL Canada especially. It's time for Brian's question. At the end, <laughs> he, uh, he said... He wanted to know who would you like to be your successor to the AFL North, the Canada North win head coach. Hmm. Um, well, it's a tricky question because I'll be on the, the hiring panel for who's next. What type um, of coach would you like to see be part of the um, selection process and be your successor to hopefully you mentor through to Canada being the best country in the International Cup. Yeah, so the way that we want to head and we're seeing this a little bit in our women's program is that we're trying to structure everything up so that we have Canadian coaches come through and ideally they're you know former players that played at the national level played at international cups and want to stick around the game and coach and learn it from that side of the game yep and so whether it's the next hire that we make on the men's program or the one after that i'd like us to be brave enough to not just hire expat aussies to coach the game and actually have Canadians who have, you know, 
been here, played 10, 15 years. Yeah. Been to the International Cup, played against all these teams, uh, gone away, learnt, done their badges. You know, Coach AFL is a, is a great resource for, you know, coaching education to kind of get your, um, get your feet wet and understand the game. So that's where I'd like us to go. And, you know, in, in my role, you know, still uh, I get to shape that a little bit. Um, Cause I, it's just, it's amazing when you can have such an impact on someone from an international country that they don't just want to play the game. They actually want to teach others. Mm. And so that's where, where I'd like us to go. I, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think our next coach will probably be another Australian, but I've kind of set up our system and, you know, assistant coaches and things like that where they can start to get involved in the high performance programs and really understand the Getting game their at, feet at the wet, highest level. Per se, in, in the coaching and high performance sector, look, in a perfect world, you just ring up Mike Pike and say, hey, mate, <laughs> would you like to be the head coach of the, AF, of the Canada North Wind? <laughs> And a premiership player or an ex-Canadian, there's your Canadian coach set. <laughs> but let's jump into a bit more of AFL. What's your look at AFL at the moment, the actual competition over here in Australia? Do you guys get to see many games? Obviously, yeah, they're on at like, well, this week, the Derby would be on at like 2.40 a.m. So Friday night's game is probably one of the only games that many people can watch because it's on at like, over here at 5.50, so catch the end of it. So what's the broadcasting like over in Canada? It's the same with America where it's very much, if you can get the Watch AFL subscription or does some of those channels show it or, and then what's your outlook on the game at the moment? Yeah, so we have games on television, just like in the States, our equivalent of ESPN is called TSN. So it's the same um, channel essentially. Mm, yeah and they show live games. And so, I mean, those are great for just the, the advertising of the game that they are yeah. so invaluable. Like I've been, um, Toronto has a big underground. So basically the whole downtown. So if you can imagine, you know, the size of Melbourne, but yeah. you could basically walk around in a mall underneath the city. Oh, and awesome. I've been walking, I've been walking through uh that and there's tv screens you know the middle of 3 p.m in the middle of the day on friday or something as everyone's kind of rushing to the train to go home and there's been footy on and so you know even if it just catches one person and they see it and and say what is that and go home and google it mm. we're on the right track okay. and so that's great but obviously like you mentioned those live games they don't convert with time zone so Watch AFL is, is a great um, way for us to see both AFL and AFLW games. Yep. And so we have a, a deal with uh, Geelong yeah. um, to provide our, our Watch AFL. So, you know, we support uh, them and their international memberships. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've watched probably four or five games a weekend at the moment, we're still in, in a pretty hard lockdown hmm. here in Ontario. So I've been watching a lot of footy and I don't know. I like, I actually thought I would hate this, the man on the mark rule. 
I really like it actually. I think it's it's changed the game and made it interesting. Maybe that's the coach in me trying to figure out how to kind of game that system. But um, I, I really like that. I, I like seeing, you know, some of these young up and coming teams start to really mature in front of our eyes uh, and challenge the Richmonds and Geelongs of the world. I think that's always a really interesting process regardless of the sport. Um, I'm a Hawthorne supporter. I'm from Glen Waverley in Melbourne. You and, so I used you to go and to Bride, to... both Hawthorne supporters. <laughs> well, when you're from Glen Waverley and you can walk to yeah. Waverley Park, there's really no other option when you're a young kid. And so Fair enough. Um, I, I've still actually got at home at my mum's place, I've still got one of the old benches from oh. the old Waverley Park from the final game. I won't mention how I got it, but... Um, oh, look, it's like the people that have uh, got part of the benches from um, Subiaco Oval. Last yeah, game, they exactly. just ripped it up and just walked out. Exactly. Um, so, obviously, the Hawks uh, are having a little bit of a tough tough year. But, um, no, I mean, like I said, it, it, it's been uh, it's been keeping me mentally active and, uh, and giving me a lot of joy because we can't do a lot outside at the moment and so yeah this probably you know everyone's joyous about go, being able to go to the footy but it's also providing a lot of joy uh internationally as well for people like myself being able to to watch so with covid how's it been over in canada we'll just jump over to that because it is a big issue it's we in perth we went into a three-day lockdown and everyone went mental on over one case where we need to look at we're lucky we recently got put at 100 percent of crowd attendance when Collingwood played West Coast. Um, but what's the difficulties compared over in Canada compared to Australia, or in particular Ontario for yourself? Yeah, we kind of did it in reverse. Oh, that sounds daft, but that it might be obvious, but we, we kind of started through our summer. And mm. so the initial kind of... Um, well, when COVID broke out, we didn't have a lot of issues with it. Because you and didn't have to go into a flu season where like what we did. Mm -hmm. Or that seems to be the pattern anyway. And so yeah. we kind of, yeah, we've gone in reverse to, to Australia in that through November, we really started to struggle. And um, so just to explain, <laughs> um, Ontario is a big place. Um, uh, I don't I don't know the equivalent size. I haven't kind of put the maps over each other or anything, but uh, it's a very, very big province. And so um, it's broken up into a bunch of different areas, but being downtown Toronto, like I live one block from where the Maple Leafs and the Raptors play. And so right downtown, and we've basically been in lockdown since mid-November. Mm. So we're now approaching, I guess, five months where you know, we're in a stay-at-home order. We can go outside, but it's really to go to the grocery store or, or do The essential items, basically. Because yeah. I think it was recently, I remember Vancouver weren't able to play because someone in the team got COVID and then they were basically so. And then I think British Columbia got locked down anyway. So mm -hmm. big situation. And can, we saw it over, what was the response though with Canadians? with the vaccine and all that sort of stuff. We saw in America before Biden got put in, there was very much 
people are against this this vaccine and the whole COVID situation, their numbers froze. So the stereotype of Canadian being a nice person and very much, yeah, okay, cool. We compare them to Australians a lot because they're just easygoing. Um, what was it like? We've probably been too easygoing. Um, the vaccine rollout's not going well uh, anywhere, really. Um, again, it's a big place, you know, mm. uh, east to west, it's bigger than Australia. Um, yeah. And so uh, obviously they're, you know, different juris jurisdictions have uh, dealt with it differently. But uh, yeah, I mean, the rollout's not going well. The, the shipments haven't arrived. There's been massive shortages. You know, it went from everyone was going to be done in you know, May um, to now it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And so, um, yeah, there's been a lot of struggles. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the logistics of it all are, are mind boggling to, you know, get all these vaccines all over the place and, you know, refrigerated and um, all of that kind of jazz. But uh, yeah, you can't look at the way the US are doing it and compare that to how Canada is doing it because mm. we're not even close to that. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. What's your opinion on, now we're going back to AFL because it's just me doing me, just jumping between topics, but keeping us on our toes. What's your opinion on the AFL relations with international competitions? For instance, AFL Canada, the USAFL, AFL Europe and all that. Could it be better in a way? I can't really speak for... AFL Europe or yeah. uh, even the US. Um, we've had nothing but support from the AFL um, and been particularly supportive of our junior programs. We have a massive junior program in Calgary, Alberta. It's probably the biggest in the world um, in terms of the amount of kids that it sees. Uh, you know, we have a fully dedicated footy field here in Toronto. Um, and so you know, basically everything we, we take back to the AFL, um, you know, we're, we're supported on. And yep. so I can't speak highly enough of our relationship with them. Now, can things be better? I mean, of course, always. But, you know, we've found everyone um, fully supportive of, of growing the game in Canada. And so that's our responsibility. Mm. Um but, uh, yeah, from an international perspective, I mean, we see on a day-to-day -day basis what the growth of the game does and, and how much joy it brings to so many people. You know, kids, like I said, in Calgary and there's, there's um, you know, a, a company running Auskick clinics in, in Ontario that does that really well. And so, you know, we see what it's like putting footies in these kids' hands and, and then they eventually get to me, you know, 10 or 15 yeah. years later in the national program. And, and you've got young men and women that have got as much footy experience as a lot of Australians. And um, so could you facilitate that better and do more for those people? Yeah, of course you could. Um, mm. but you know, it, it is also true that the, all of the money in, in the AFL system does have to support all of the grassroots, uh, plus the professional levels, plus the semi-professional levels. And so, you know, it's, um, there's only so much for the pie to slice up. So, yeah. um, yeah. So 
the system by the sounds of it is very, very good over in Canada. Having the juniors, which I don't even think, I don't think Brian said anything. And I don't, even looking on their website, I don't think they've really got an Auskick program or even that. So women's footy is thriving over, I'm feeling women's footy over in the States and in just North America in general is up and about. And no one's saying, no one's against it. Over here, there's a lot of people being this AFLW comp is joke and everything, but I like it. We won the competition this year. So of course I'm going to like it. Um, but so women's footy and junior footy must be thriving over there as well as the men's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a thunderstorm going in the background. Oh, um, lovely effects. Don't need to add my own. <laughs> Uh, that's the sound you hear when I'm about to make a really good point. Um, no, I mean, yeah, you, you, if you want to look at the, the women's side of things, you know, we're actually a, a great example where our women's program, the, the national team and footy in general has been driven by the success of our women internationally. They won the international cup. They were the world champions. They, you know, missed out by I think less than a goal on going back to back, lost to Ireland, who, you know, are also providing a huge amount of AFLW players. And so, yeah, I mean, women's sport here is, uh, I mean, it's still developing as well. It's not a finished product, but, you know, the, the ability of the AFL to provide an avenue for, these athletes to yeah maybe play college rugby and then they don't have an avenue to go and do that after university and to find Aussie rules and maybe go to Australia and and play professionally yeah like that that is amazing um our, our men probably don't or they won't have a lot of those opportunities um just because of the numbers in Australia in the mm. men's game but you know you, you start to provide those opportunities for women and they're going to take them and run with them and, and do something magic with them. So I, yeah, I, I love that the AFL is, again, it's not a perfect system, but they're oh, investing definitely. in the women's game and yeah. it's coming and you can see it coming and you can see it getting better and better and better every year. And you watch in 10 years, this thing is just going to be dynamite. Hmm. Oh, like everyone, we're in five seasons. Five seasons deep in AFLW. So the AFL is, what, 150 years old or whatever it is. So it gets, comes with time. With And then hopefully the men's can get into the waffle, the sandfall, the new VFLs, or even the NTFL, just really getting into comps over here in second-tier comps. Do you think there are players that are currently playing for... North Wind or even some of the clubs that could get, take that step up to playing in second tier comps over here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a young kid at the moment, his name's Scotty Glover, who's, you know, he's just turned uh, 20 and has been obsessed with footy since he was, you know, 13 or 14. And, you know, we just spend time together. He just wants to watch film and, and understand it. And, you know, he's, he's playing amateurs in uh, in Australia already or, or was before COVID hit. 
and um, you know his his dream is to you know play in the VFL or the AFL, and so you know he's dedicated his life to to doing that. And so again, it's just another example of the impact this game can have from literally the other side of the world. Like you know, mm. young Scotty's in in Edmonton, Alberta. You pretty much couldn't get further away from Melbourne, Australia, and oh, God, no. and he's he's found this sport. And amongst you know watching you know Connor McDavid on his doorstep, who's the greatest hockey player in the world at the moment, Love by Connor a mile. And so you can go and watch him, but we've got someone who would actually rather watch the Western Bulldogs play, um, and then and then challenge himself to go to Australia and, and try to make it. Which is awesome, especially when you've got players of McDavid, Brock Besser, all these ones that are thriving. Austin Matthews, there's some good young players in the NHL and he's choosing to watch Lockie Hunter run around and Adam Trelaw for the doggies. Just It's what you want. Mm -hmm. It's what, for for Australians, it's what we want. And I think for Canadians, it's the opposite where they want us Australians to understand the game of ice hockey. So getting that transfer over is great. It's, for instance, Raleigh Thilthor. He debuted on the weekend. He's like, he could have been playing ice hockey for Australia. He was going to college in America, but he's chosen to stick with footy. So um, who would you like to see AFL games played internationally, but in particular North America and then similar down Canada? Um, Brian had a example, a, a suggestion that we played round one internationally and then have a week off and then play round two. So would that be a good idea to have games internationally? Just to see more. We tried with China, didn't really work, but New Zealand seemed to be up and coming when they were playing their Anzac Day in the uh, cake tin. Yeah, I mean, it, it can't hurt, right? And hmm. you can see, you know, when it's done properly and it's done repeatedly, you can see the impact that the hmm. game has. And so you, if you want to look at all the other uh, professional sports, yeah, you know, the NBA going to China and India, you've got the NFL in London, and, you know, they've gone there repeatedly and, and shown that it's not just a commercial venture and that they're actually interested in developing the game and, and uh, you know, pouring money and resources and social impact into those places. And so, you know, I mean, I've had a number of conversations in the last couple of weeks where people have said, I know Aussie rules because it was the only sport on television for that one week in, in the start of COVID and there was nothing mm. else to watch. And I didn't know how great it was of a sport. And so, you know, if you think about bringing the game, actually showing the game to those people and allowing them to hear what it's like in a stadium when a game's being played and hear the crowd go, ball and, and, you know, the, 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 the magic of a goal. And, mm. you know, it doesn't quite transfer on, on, uh, on television. So if you were to bring something to those people and say, like, here, come and actually experience this, I think you would have a lot more um, people that are hooked on the game and will get up at 3 a.m. to watch 
on television because mm. they're just obsessed with this thing. Because I know if we were playing a game over in um, Canada, I'd be up at three o'clock in the morning over here to watch a 3 p.m. start <laughs> over there because I just love the game. Um, where would you play it? in if, Games and who would they be against? Who would be the team that you thought, okay, these are the two teams that need to come to Canada to watch the get to experience and show footy and where would the best place to put this game? Well, I'll go off the board a little bit because um, in Toronto, we have, like I said earlier, a fully dedicated footy field. And so no other sport is played on it. So just think about that for a second. Hmm. In Toronto, Ontario, there is a fully dedicated <laughs> Aussie rules field with posts that no other sport, not cricket, not anything is played yes. on that field. Even better than that is it's actually at the uh, site of the police academy, the movies. So mm. the building <laughs> the building from the, the police academy is in Toronto and out the back of that is the, the footy field. And so it's, it's not a stadium per se. You can't, you know, there's no concessions, there's no... A massive grandstand or anything like that. There's food trucks. We're good. You can hire exactly. our grandstands. We've done it before at the Wacker um, for Ashes games. So why not? Exactly. Um, and then who would you bring? I would say you've obviously got a lot of Sydney Swans fans here because Canadians have probably found the game through Mike, you know, watching him run around in front of I was more thinking of the colours as well. The colours obviously do help, but um, yeah, so it would have to involve the Swans, who the second team is. I don't think it would matter. Um, I think people would get behind it. You know what? Let's just do a rivalry round. Do the rivalry round in round one. You have a Sydney derby, GWS versus the um, Swans. Obviously, GWS were orange. It's not so much a blue as well, but they're... They've got the Edmonton sort of style, so might as well go there or find the get the kangaroos over because then obviously you've got the blue and white of the Maple Leafs as well as then you've got Sydney who are wearing the red and white. So that works perfectly fine in my eyes. I've said for um, years, I've said America should have Collingwood versus Western Bulldogs and Mason Cox playing for Collingwood, massive impact. I, I don't know what grounds you could play it at. Um, I don't know if the NFL grounds are big enough to hold an AFL size field. Um, but obviously you just have to see. And then the Bulldogs, red, white, and blue. So that's how I look makes at sense. it. And, and it just makes sense. And you could do it all through those two games, have a rivalry round of sorts. So you have your Q clash and all this, depending on who the home team is, obviously, you could go to China, Port Adelaide. Adelaide probably would have to go to China due to Adelaide's relationship with it. St Kilda, New Zealand, just try make a travel. So that's the one thing. That's my opinion. But end of the day, you're seeing it at a international standpoint. So it'd be good to see footy being played as much as non like in. In a Canadian sense and in a North American and international sense, Aussie rules footy is an odd sport. 
in a way because not many people see it unless they just stumble over it on TV. Yeah, it would it would be uh, it would be huge over here for sure. It would generate a lot of buzz, and you know, Toronto in particular. I mean, this is every every city in in Canada, but you know, they're they're sports mad like we are in Australia, and mm. so you you put that somewhere here, and people would show up for sure. Mm. So really, just getting the game out there would be great. I love footy, so I'd wake up anytime. I'm up at like till one o'clock in the morning watching Ashes cricket. So it's be that committed to the footy for any two hours of a game. I'm fine. You wouldn't come. I, if on a flight, I would definitely, it feels meaning for me to jump on a flight to go to Canada. I would be all on it. Cause obviously I, I think we would have to play it during your guys summer. So, because I don't think we could play during snow. This is what I hear about Montreal and Ontario is that it just snows. But depending on the weather, it'd be really dependent on I'd want to come through a winter, but coming to watch footy at any time of the year, I don't mind. I'd definitely jump on a flight um, and come watch a game. And if any other sports are on at the time, I'd be there in the crowd supporting whatever team and just watching ice hockey especially. Just an amazing sport, just watching the physicality of it. But, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, any, there's nothing really else. Is there anything you want to tell the people about AFL Canada, how many teams there are and how the competition really runs? Yeah, so we have competitions or teams in pretty much every major city. Um, so, you know, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and then Halifax. Nova Scotia, so literally from coast to coast, east to west. And um, yeah, I mean, the great thing is, you know, most of those clubs have been started by Aussies who love the game so much that when they arrived on the other side of the world, they still wanted to play and so grabbed a bunch of mates and and started to kick a footy around. And so they come from a, a really good place and we're still just growing um kind of exponentially as we add yeah more juniors like i talked about the women's programs um you know as people find the sport and as they see it more and more they join clubs and and they're they're hooked on footy and so Mm. i know that sounds weird that literally on the other side of the world in sure you know a, a commonwealth country but they've already got their version of footy here and you know, we think in Australia or in Melbourne and Perth and Adelaide that we're obsessed with with Aussie rules football. But until you've seen the obsession of ice hockey mm. in places like Toronto, you haven't really seen obsession. Um, and so, you know, there's there's even in Toronto, you've got you know the professional teams. We had the Raptors win the World Championship, and two million people on the streets for the parade, and still people that find Aussie rules absolutely adore it. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, um, if anyone's ever over here and, and wanting to play footy, you know, if they come over from the mines or um, for a job, there's pretty much anywhere you can land, there's going to be a footy team. And so jump on, you know, aflcanada.com and have a look and, and reach out to the guys and yeah, it's worthwhile. It's a great community. It's, 
you know, the clubs operate like they do at home in that it's a source of mates and, you know, a few beers and job opportunities. And, um, you know, that's really what footy's about at the end of the day. You know, the AFL is not like that anymore, but, you know, suburban footy and, and having a, a place to go and have some, some beers and a kick is what footy's all about. Definitely, especially community level over here and country level. It's all about being around your mates, having a kick. And for us that are over 18, having a beer afterwards, which is fantastic in any community sport, really. But we're going to wrap it up there, Cody. Um, where can people find you? Where can they buy your book? Um, what's your socials? Where can they buy your book? Just finish it off and we'll sign it off from there. Yeah, nice and easy for me. CodyRoyal.com has pretty much all you could need to know about me. Um, and so everything's centralized there, including all the Amazon links to, to get the book. Uh, it's only available on Amazon. So they drop it right to your doorstep, which is a great service. And yeah, I mean, with a name like Cody Royal, I'm pretty easy to find on social media as well. There aren't too many people with my name floating around. Which is fantastic. So. <laughs> it was really easy to tag you on that Instagram post because there were so many, not that many people, which was great. No, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for staying awake till 20 past 11 at night to have this chat. Um, this will be out on today or tomorrow. So hope you enjoy it. And thank you very much for coming on, Cody. And thank you very much. And see ya. Thanks, Marty.